With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back to Crossover Daily, SI's daily NBA podcast. I'm your host, Rohan Nagy. Today on the show, we'll be discussing the Heat's shocking Game 3 win in the NBA Finals. Is anyone in the bubble having more fun than Jimmy Butler? Does Miami's win mean anything if Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic don't come back? And is Tyler Hero old enough to mean one? Joining me will be GQ's Clay Skipper. Let's start the show. All right. Joining us now on Crossover Daily is a seasoned podcast host and a YouTube sensation, the star of GQ's Above Average Joe series. Uh, he also happens to be a staff writer at GQ. Please welcome my good buddy, Clay Skipper, to the show. Clay, how's it going, man? Bro, it is so good to hear your voice, your podcast voice, which is very different from your uh, normal everyday voice. It's a little less shrill. It's a little more a little more measured, a little more reasoned. Uh, <laughs> that's what I like to think, at least. Totally. How? Let me just ask quickly off the bat, how are you doing emotionally? That was quite a, a game three for you there. So, obviously, the Heat... Pulling off, I believe ESPN tweeted the second biggest finals upset wow. uh, determined by point spread in the last 30 years. A roller coaster of emotions from beginning to end. Obviously, when you're playing a team as stacked as the Lakers, if you're watching as a Heat fan, that whole game, you're waiting for LA to go on a massive run. We'll, we'll touch on everything, but right now, I'm, I'm just really happy for the guys on the floor. I think something that's been a part of this bubble for a long time or, or kind of just one of the underlying issues here is focus, right? Can you maintain focus when you have a lot of incentives to kind of get out of there, to be honest? I mean, you saw the Denver Nuggets do it down 3-1, come back twice. That takes a lot of mental energy beyond just physical energy. And I think some people might say tonight, you know, maybe the Lakers got complacent. I'd argue that the Heat have every reason to be complacent, right? Down 2-0, missing two of your best players. You have an opportunity to go home soon. I'm just really impressed by the mental fortitude it takes to stay engaged in a series like this. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think it all comes down to just Jimmy, dude. I mean, you could just see, I mean, he obviously is the leader on that team in terms of skill, but also just mentality. And the thing that was sort of remarkable was how he played with such a, like, lightheartedness. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess you have nothing to lose. Uh, that That's one way you could play is lighthearted. But I don't know if you saw his interview with Rachel Nichols right before the game, but he just seemed like so... Uh, laissez-faire and 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 obviously cares but he just seemed like so buoyant and i think that translated to the to the game he didn't seem stressed at all um and he didn't seem like you know he was playing defensively it just felt like he was out there having fun ripping and it it was unbelievable to watch that's really a great point obviously jimmy's the story of tonight a fantastic performance a 40 point triple double i believe he has the first 40 point triple double without a three-pointer since shaquille o'neal in 2002 um I believe he's also one of only three players with a 40-point triple-double in the NBA Finals. Him, LeBron, Jerry West. uh, The first guy to do it with 12-plus assists since Jerry West did it, I believe, all the way back in the 1960s. It it was just a tour-de-force performance from Jimmy Butler, and I I think you hit the nail on the head. He plays with a looseness, you know, like yeah. you mentioned before the before the game, he looked excited, like he knew something, like he knew something before the game. I believe he said, "If we get one, uh, we up to something." He was just having so much fun out there. Rondo clobbers him in the head. He's smiling, you know. He's t- he's chipping with chirping with LeBron after the end of quarters. I believe he said to LeBron late in the fourth, "You're in trouble." <laughs> I'm impressed. I tweeted this not to plug my Twitter account, but please follow me on Twitter. But I, I said this during the game. I don't know anyone who's had more fun in the bubble than Jimmy Butler, whether it's the coffee or wearing Spo's jersey. He looks to be genuinely having a great time. Agreed. First of all, I would just like to um, announce that to make it all about me, of course, Jimmy Butler and I have the exact same birthday, okay. September 14th, That's 1989. Exciting. And also, I would like to say I've pl- successfully plugged me. Now I'd successfully like to plug my professional career. I have ridden for Jimmy Butler from day one. Uh, you can go to GQ.com and read two uh, in-depth Q&As I've done with him. I love Jimmy Butler. So I, I'm i just glad that now everyone's see. I shouldn't say everyone is coming around to Jimmy Butler, but he has had this narrative around him that he's a bad teammate and a bad leader, whatever. I'm glad that this version of Jimmy Butler is being allowed to shine right now, which is clearly like consummate locker room guy uh, rallying his team. Right. You know, I don't know that anyone has really flipped the script on their career the way Jimmy has, not only with the Heat this season, but particularly in the bubble. Totally. And I also think, to go back to one point you made there that I loved, is what was shocking about tonight, maybe shocking is too strong a word, but Jimmy Butler seemed to handle this moment so much better than LeBron James did. And you brought up that moment where uh, Rondo fouled Butler super hard on the layup, and then also he got tangled up with LeBron, and LeBron just seemed rattled in a way that Jimmy Butler didn't, and that was shocking to me because it it seems like they have such like there's so much asymmetry here because LeBron obviously has the like two zero lead on his side, he has teammates on his side, he has the league and the referees on his side, and yet Jimmy Butler was the one who seemed so calm in that situation and really came off as sort of almost the experienced one. Uh, and again, I just think that goes to like Jimmy having a, a perfect night all around, even in that terms of mentality and attitude and, and how he handled that, that moment. That really is such a great point. I, I'm definitely not, I don't think you are either. I don't mean to suggest that. Neither of us are counting out LeBron. LeBron was certainly no. frustrated tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and I think rightfully so frustrated with his team's effort. It is funny though, you know, LeBron, even as the guy up 2-0, he's playing with the burden of expectations in the way Jimmy is not. 
So, you know, Jimmy, I think, is just really having fun with the situation. You know, their backs are against the wall, but, I mean, he played tonight like he had nothing to lose. Uh, and it was it was just really incredible, really fun to watch. I can't say enough about just what he's done for this team this year. You, you mentioned it, like really setting the tone, like not only playing the way he played, but, you know, sometimes he, he might pass a little bit too much when he gets to the rim, but I think genuinely doing a great job of keeping his teammates involved and engaged, continuing to go to the shooters even when they're struggling. Uh, I feel like he's the kind of player who tonight not only had the game he did, but kept everyone's confidence up. For sure. I mean, you could see that. I mean, it is remarkable to see guys like, uh, I mean, it was sort of ill-advised, but there was a shot there in the last, like, three minutes where Kelly Olenek took a, sh- a shot, a-, a wing three with, like, 22 <laughs> seconds left in the shot clock, and it was a ter- It was really a poor, uh, poor, really bad shot selection. But, you know, to your point, I think Jimmy Butler's sort of uh, effervescence and his confidence just feeds his teammates in a way that they really needed because I, I felt like uh, – I don't want to offend you as a as a Heat fan, but I feel like I feel like why, well, and I will be curious to get your take how you feel after this game in terms of confidence. But as a somewhat objective observer, though I was rooting for the Heat, watching that game felt a little bit like watching um, like a like an eleven seed playing a two right. seed in the Elite it Eight. It was a little bit. It was a little bit like Florida Gulf Coast playing Kansas, and you're like, okay, if they can just get it within right, four, right. within four minutes, up five, they'll be good. Okay, if they can get within three minutes, up three, they're gonna they're gonna win this game. And meaning that, like you know, you felt like the Lakers were a better team, and they were just right. waiting to unleash a comeback and sort of overwhelm the Heat. But the fact that Jimmy wasn't playing defensively and was playing with that sort of confidence and giving guys like Olenek that sort of same contagious confidence to fire up wing threes. I think that's the reason they were able to, to push through and win. Cause a lot of times in those, you know, those NCAA games I'm comparing it to the teams get defensive. They try to waste the shot clock and then they lose. And I think the way Jimmy played on an individual level, sort of like, um, it, he lifted, uh, he brought he, the tide yeah, rose with him. He exactly, lifted tides. Yeah. Totally. Totally. No, this this finals has turned into like an after school special, right? It's <laughs> it's like can the can the scrappy guys who weren't supposed to be here yes. stand up against the bully? Unfortunately, in real life, like the, the bully is going to win. We're uh, yes. seeing this in America in many ways right now. But well, so you know, that was that was going to be my question for you is like, do you, how how confident do you feel after the game? Because I feel like. On the one hand, it did feel like a major upset, right? Like we're talking about this as if it, it really was Florida Gulf Coast yeah. beating Kansas, which doesn't, which does not suggest uh, a great outcome for the Heat, given that they have to win three more games and they're down a one, and they're in a one-game hole. But on the other hand, they do get back, you know, two of their three best players, arguably. So, do you feel like where is your sort of confidence level right now? I don't think they're going to win another game without. Bam and Dragic. Let me put it that way. Yeah. You know, they obviously, they had a perfect game tonight. I mean, Jimmy was 14 of 20 and it took everything. The Lakers went up ahead in the fourth quarter. It took everything to win this game. And you're not going to catch them sleeping for another game. LeBron's going to be incredibly focused. Anthony Davis, who struggled tonight, is going to be incredibly, incredibly focused. Frank Vogel is a good coach who's been willing to make adjustments on the margins throughout the season. They're not going to win another game without Bam and Dragic. Having said that, I think what it comes down to is the Heat's health, right? They were having a great game in game one until Dragic went out and uh, until Bam went out, then it was really over. I, do they have a chance if those guys come back? I mean, we have to see how they come back and how effective they are, but you have to understand 
if they get 80% of Dragic, I mean, who knows how effective mm-hmm. he can be. That is still better than whatever Kendrick Nunn is giving them in his minutes. Not that, you know, Nunn has been, not like he's streaky, he's up and down, but, you know, it gives you a consistency. I mean, Bam gives them again. I mean, Olenek and Myers Leonard have both played way above weight the last couple games, and I give them mm-hmm. a lot of credit, but, you know, that would make a significant difference in the series. I, again, I don't think it makes the, the Heat favorites or anything like that, but I my point ultimately is their only chance is Bam and Dragic coming back. Totally, yeah. And, and I do think it is important to like be clear-eyed about the fact that the Lakers did play very poorly. Right. I, just, I remember they had, I think it was, well, I, I remember Breen saying with two minutes ago in the first quarter, they already had 10 turnovers, which was the right. most turnovers they'd had in any game the entire season. Um, so it was sort of a perfect storm of the Heat playing out of their minds, which they deserve full credit for. But the Lakers also displaying uh, some bouts of incompetence there, <laughs> basketball sure. incompetence. No, I mean, listen, the Lakers had 10 turnovers that sloppy. Anthony Davis picked up a couple cheap fouls early in the game, which I think definitely limited his effectiveness. But and I think that that just goes back to the focus conversation. You know, the Heat, for example, down up 2-0, didn't have a letdown game against Milwaukee, right? They go up 3-0, swept Indiana in the first round. Uh, Boston, you know, went down in the fourth quarter a couple times, maintained focus, won that series. You know, focus is a part of playoff series. It's part of individual games. The Lakers, I think we'll both admit they may have been complacent, but that's something you have to fight. And, mm-hmm. you know, with Bam and Dragic coming back, I think the Lakers – you know, they can't be forgiven for not having a sense of urgency when you have an opportunity to to kill a team. Otherwise, you give them life. You know, I, I wouldn't compare this to the Nuggets series. Uh, you know, that Nuggets team was a lot different. Obviously, you know, they were an underdog as well. But, you know, they were, to an extent, I think, a little more tired, um, a little less experienced. Uh, Mike Malone's a great coach. I, I, I do think Eric Spolcher does have a coaching advantage over him. And, and that just makes this Heat team different. And now there's this opportunity to have two guys return I, I think the lakers were playing with fire and that should have demanded more urgency from them and frankly i'm surprised that they didn't come out tonight with their foot on the gas because they haven't been the team all year that's really took their foot off the pedal so who if you were like if you're the lakers owners right now <laughs> oh, <laughs> who, who who are you putting that blame on like is that on lebron is that on vogel i mean obviously it's an impossible question to answer correctly but i'm just curious I'm curious what you think and also where you think that focus comes from on the heat side. Is that a Spo thing? Is that a culture thing? Is that a Jimmy thing? I'd just be curious to hear what you think about that. That's a great question. I mean, let me say that the heat are not immune to letdowns, right? I think that does happen to every team, every organization, every player. I do think it's a combination of, of Spo and Jimmy, you know, they've been saying all the right things, whatever level of fear they have, we'll probably never know, but they've been saying all the right things, right? I believe it was Spolster who said, after game two, what will it take? Whatever is necessary. You know, I, I think that they yeah. they like this level of competition. They embrace it. You know, for the Lakers, I don't I'm not gonna necessarily assign blame on LeBron, who did come out with a big first half and, and had a good game, I think was right near his triple double averages that he normally gets in the NBA finals. It's not like he played poorly. You know, and, and they also got a big game from Markeith Morris. It, you know, it's not like yeah. the Lakers <laughs> You know, it, I think it really was just Anthony Davis. I don't think ever really got into a rhythm tonight. He was kind of non-existent outside of that third quarter when he, you know, he had a great stretch, kind of non-existent in the fourth. I don't know if they just thought the whole time they were going to just have that run where they get five defensive stops in a row 
and they get out and transition and have some dunks, you know, et cetera. I do think what helped Miami was this game felt a little less, you know, it felt a little slower than once in the past. I mean, I don't have the pace stats in front of me, so I could be completely wrong on that. <laughs> but, you know, it just felt like a little bit more of a grind. I think that they they made the Lakers play more in the half court. Miami changed up its zone, which I think, you know, contributed to some of the Lakers, you know, early malaise on offense. Uh, they changed up their coverage on LeBron. You know, I, I think what the Heat did was they they just made enough adju- adjustments to buy time. You know, they're not going to shut down the Lakers or LeBron completely, but what they did tonight bought themselves some time, and I, I think that was really the difference. Uh, I don't I don't even know if it was Lakers' complacency as much as it was, you know, them one step slower than they were in Game 2 and the Heat a couple steps, you know, forward. Yeah, there was some serious uh, aggression on the Miami side there, I think. Showcase. So, I, I mean, I want to ask you because, like I said, for me, it's a little bit different. I look at the series through rose colored glasses. But <laughs> it, it does feel, like I said, you know, an after school special. Like, hey, <laughs> how do you, are you are you taking the heat more seriously after tonight? Uh, do you feel like this was, oh, hey, they were going to get one and, and this was the one? What is, uh, how do you feel about this series after a game like tonight? Well, I feel like I can best sum it up by, uh, by telling you about a text exchange with a friend I had immediately after the game, which was I, I basically texted him and I was like, damn, like Jimmy Butler, unbelievable. And he was like, I didn't watch, you know, what did he do, blah, blah, blah. But he was like, so he's like, okay, so what now, Lakers in five or what? And I was like, no, <laughs> man, like, you know, they're going to they're gonna get Bam back. Maybe they'll get Dragic back. And then I wrote, yeah, Lakers in six. <laughs> so, like, so like, I mean, that is how I sort of feel. It's like, it was an unbelievable performance. I was pulling for the Heat because I like Jimmy and they had the underdogness, and so I think I got really fired up that they won. And I'm like, they're one game down. They, can, you know, they got this. They can come back. But realistically, I don't know. It still feels like a David versus Goliath uh, battle. If I'm being honest, I mean, it's just wild to like look at. You know, I was thinking during the game, I was like, you know, the Heat. The Heat have, you know, their role players are like Olenek and Myers Leonard. And, like, all credit to them, they showed up tonight and they balled Olenek especially. But, like, the Lakers role players are Dwight Howard and Rajon Rondo. Like, not only do they have championship experience, I mean, I think they're probably both future Hall of Famers. And it's just like, it, I just can't remember the, the last time I watched a finals that felt so mismatched. Uh, maybe that's unfair to the Heat, but it really does feel that way. So, to answer your question, I think the heat did show up in a way that surprised me and made me take them more seriously. But I still think just the way the NBA finals and NBA playoffs series are structured with seven games. I just don't, I'm not like ready to, to bet the house on them. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I do want to ask about Tyler hero who didn't have a great game, but, but did have an outstanding mean mug uh, down the stretch. I mean, he really hit the dagger tonight. <laughs> Uh, the, the and one against Rajon Rondo. I know that you did a Tyler Hero story earlier this year for GQ. What's your favorite part about Tyler Hero? Oh, my God. Well, first of all, I love that when he gave the mean mug tonight, Jeff Van Gundy sort of was like, I don't know if you really earned the mean mug on that soft and one layup. That was great. Love, <laughs> love Van Gundy. Um, my favorite part about Hero is, uh, I mean, it's just the confidence. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of unbelievable how uh, – unflappable he is and the fact that he's also scored double digits in every game in every single game he's played in this playoffs is wild as a rookie i mean that's just nuts um 
but you know he has his uh he, he just really rides hard for uh for himself and i respect that like when i interviewed him one of my favorite things from the interview was he says he eats the same pre-game meal ever since high school and it's like steak mashed potatoes bread and buttered noodles <laughs> and i'm like bro first of all how are you not carrying more weight and second of all how can you possibly play on that but it works for him he goes out and he does it and he's got ultimate confidence in his uh pre-game meal and his in his game and it, it works I couldn't imagine recording this podcast after eating that much food, let alone, <laughs> let alone trying to play an NBA basketball game. Exactly. When was the last time you ate like double carbs like that, Clay? I know that you take your, your lifestyle very seriously. When was the last time you ate potatoes and noodles together, if ever? It, it was so long ago that I considered a different version of myself. So I actually would say that in this life, I have never, I've never uh, consumed double carbs <laughs> like that. The best part about that was I, I asked him, I was like, um, what is like, you guys have nutritionists for the heat, right? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, what is, what does she think about that? And he goes, she said, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> just, just coming in. That's, that's kind of how I feel when my mom is like, how does your doctor feel about your diet? And I'm just yeah. like, yeah, he said it's not good. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so uh, Postmates sing that pint of ice cream. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's so funny to think about guys like LeBron and, Brit- and Tom Brady who, you know, they're like the one thing I wish I knew earlier was to eat as well as I eat now. And just imagine them trying to tell Tyler Hero, like, yeah, maybe, you know, don't do the buttered noodles and the uh, mashed potatoes before the game. I would love to be on a fly, a fly on the wall for that conversation. Um, okay, Clay, I want to get you out of here very soon. I know it's way, way, way past your bedtime. I've already brushed my teeth. I That's really, right. it's so late. <laughs> this, you're laying in bed right now under the covers. Exactly. My girlfriend is pissed. Yeah, so yeah. Wrap it up. Um, your, your thoughts on the series moving forward. What do you want to see? Are, are you excited? Do you feel like they have some life? Was tonight just a blip on the radar? How do you feel moving forward? Well, I'm sorry to display my ignorance. You can uh, choose to edit this out or not edit this out. But what is the what is the deal with Dragic and Bam? Bam is back I, next game, but Dragic I, is not. I think they both were pushing really hard to play tonight. And if I had to bet, at least Bam will play in game three. I'm not sure about Dragic, but that's how I feel. But I, I don't think anyone knows for certain right now what's where, where that situation is. I think – I would say I think that tonight – was one of the most exciting and surprising finals games I've ever watched. And I'm very excited for that and happy that I experienced that. But I, it does, as a part of a larger finals whole, the 2020 finals, it doesn't move the needle much for me. I think the Lakers are still wow. going to take this pretty wow. easily. That being said, what I sort of hope for is they take they take game four because then now you got, I mean, now you got a whole different ball game if it's 2-2 and the heat of all the momentum now all of a sudden i think the, the slate and, and you maybe have the heat at full force with bam and dragish back now you have a whole different ball game so you know then it's a three-game series and with all the momentum on the heat side um so you know i still feel like the lakers are going to take it i'll stick with the uh, lakers in six as i text my buddy but i'll be rooting hard for a heat a heat win in game four well, we'll have to save the clip of you saying it doesn't move the needle. But until then, <laughs> until then, just so I can hold that against you for the rest of my life. Uh, Clay, thank you so much uh, for coming on and hanging out with us, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. I can't wait till uh, next time where we eat.
bunch of butter noodles and uh, mashed potatoes. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.